jump on. Let me jump on here so people can see me. Let's see. I'm a real, a real person. One second. You're good. I'm in the mobile office today. Cool. Awesome. All right. Hello. Hello. Awesome. Hey, my name is Johnny. Hello. My name is Johnny Anton. I'm a founder of a sales agency called Close With Us. We're a heart-centered, you know, a social impact entrepreneurship business that's all about placing ethical uh, salespeople in your business and, you know, and, and people who lead with the helping hand on the phone and, uh, you know, are really just about putting people first and profit second. That's really what my agency is all about. And so I, I'm, I'm a recruiting staffing agency for coaches, consultants, course creators, agency owners, um, anybody who has a high ticket offer that has validation for their offer and has changed people's lives with their offer. Uh, I work with those entrepreneurs to help them uh, solve the biggest bottleneck in their business that they don't know they have is hiring and firing good salespeople. So that's what Absolutely. I do now. What I'm mostly passionate about though, is I have a, a nonprofit called through you.org. We build schools and water wells in developing countries like, uh, you know, villages in, in uh, Africa and, and Malawi. Uh, we built a, We have a school in Malawi that we built in 2018. And in 19, we built uh, a school in Guatemala and also a water well in the Dominican Republic partnering, um, you know, with our partner, Blue Missions. So through you, it's uh, 11 co-founders. It's me and 10 other beautiful souls. And, uh, you know, I get all the help I can get from everybody on that team. And, um, and so, awesome. yeah, we... we we raise money from so percentage of profits from my for-profit business goes to the nonprofit, and then everybody else does some fundraising as co-founders. And um, you know, we don't just fundraise and send the check. We get a whole community of like twenty or thirty people to come on a track, and we create a, a like a life-altering experience for people where they get to live in you know these uh, you know th- these developing areas of these countries and actually live with the families eat the food really learn the culture learn the gender dynamics it's really powerful stuff so that's what i'm mostly passionate about everything i'm doing with the agency is just so i can build more schools and water wells and travel and talk about social impact entrepreneurship because that's what i'm most passionate about so i love that i i absolutely and i didn't even know that like that portion i didn't even know i did um your PR person did kind of send me kind of a bio, um, but I did not even realize that you had that going on, which I am super passionate about all those things that you just said. So you just got me excited. I'm going to have to look up and find out more about that. Um, I love to get involved in any type of giving back. I tell that to people all the time, you know, you know, making money is great. I have several businesses and obviously you want to make money in your business, but you know, money, it doesn't bring happiness, you know, giving Money, giving your time and giving of yourself, that's what brings happiness. Yeah, definitely. I grew up really, like my family, I know I look just regular old white guy. Actually, my family are 100% refugees from Iraq. So they came here in the 80s and I'm a first generation, um, you know, what we call as Assyrian or Chaldean, if you ever heard of Chaldean or Assyrians. Uh, mm-hmm. There's only like 1.5 million of us in the world, but um, that's what I am, 100% Assyrian. And, um, and so just growing up, it was just weird because I look white and then going to school and then, you know, you're trying to, you know, tell people you're not like, you're not just a regular American. Like your family came from the villages in Iraq and, and people are just not really buying it. And just having an identity crisis growing up, just like trying to prove who I am. It was just kind of like why I got a full sleeve of my ancestor on my arm, just so it can start a conversation. And 
people could realize that I'm not going to go through 20 hours of pain on my arm if I'm not actually a Syrian, you know? So, uh, just yeah. go, just growing up that way, like hearing my mom share all the stories and then life, like gr- growing up in the ghetto in Detroit and then moving to the nice suburbs later on in life. Like I just really didn't have presence to like the gratitude that my life was because like my family would complain about how hard life was. And I was like, this is a really amazing life. I don't really understand, you know? And so, growing up in the ghetto and then going to an affluent area later on. My mom was just like, whatever we got to do to get out of the ghetto. She broke her wallet and back to put us through private schools, which she couldn't afford at all. We had financial aid all, all throughout, but she did it because she was tired of just us being around gunshots and, and violence and all kinds of stuff in Detroit. She ran a liquor store in the worst area in Detroit for 25 years, a four inch bulletproof glass. Wow. Yeah. She's a bad woman. That's a tough lady. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. She beat breast cancer twice because of stress, you know. So she's like my kitty cat with nine lives. She's, she's. We got the same birthday, so we just have this like this another next level connection with each other. But she's a lot like this. Very passionate, talks with her hands, and just loves people, loves helping people. So um, that's what I'm about, honestly. Uh, you know, I just grew up. I think very, very grateful, and I didn't really understand how awesome you know my life was until I went to these villages and seen these kids. And, you know, they're happy as can be, but they only have, they only eat a mango in the morning and then some Sema with some sticky rice in their villages in Africa. And it's just like crazy. Like we're just like, we complain when our iPhone batteries at like 17%, you know? So we got like little 10 year olds screaming at their mom that their battery on their iPhone is low. And I'm like, man, like this is like, and that's why I do the nonprofit stuff because I selfishly need it to like take my mind off of just money making activities and just presence myself with people. Cause I feel like it just gets all that arrogance out of me when I go into the village and just like every day, wake up with these kids and play soccer and they don't have anything we have, but they're happy as can be, you know, and they're drinking water. That's just dangerous for their health. Yet they're smiling like cheek to cheek. It's, it's an incredible experience. So I mean, that's awesome. And I think you hit the nail on the head with with all of that. I think, you know, I say this all the time that life's so perspective. And, you know, in this country, we're very lucky. And even, you know, the poorest of the poor, um, a lot of times have no idea what it's like to kind of be in some of these other countries and what the poverty level is there. And um, I mean, I I am a big believer in giving back, obviously, in your own communities, too. But I I love talking to people that have kind of um, kind of gone outside of their own borders and, you know, have started to really tap into some of these other areas and and bring you know, something, you know, else to them, you're able to bring something back to be able to teach people in your own community too. So what, you know, other than, you know, growing up the way that you grew up, like you explained, what was kind of the catalyst that made you start to um, really want to give back in such a way? Well, it's a very vulnerable story. When I was seven years old, my mom was working in the liquor store 18 hour days. And a lot of times she would just stay there because it made more sense. And when she closed at 2 a.m., she'd open the store back up at seven. So for her to drive back from the city of Detroit to the suburbs for 35 minutes, just to only come back, you know, three hours later, just didn't make sense a lot of times. And so we used to a lot of times be home alone. So 
you know, I was seven years old. My brother was 10. My aunt would stop by a couple times a day and bring food and stuff. But, you know, we, most of all, we just kind of raised ourselves growing up and we used to just get into a lot of stupid stuff. And, you know, my mom used to go to Ohio to buy these fireworks every year because they were like her biggest profit maximizer in her business. And she used to just buy about 50 grand of fireworks and sell them for 150 grand because Ohio had those bangers. You know what I mean? Like they had those. Oh, yeah. I'm in those Ohio. So were, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Ohio had those like just those, those illegal fireworks that you couldn't get anywhere else. You can get quarter yeah. sticks, half sticks, dynamite sticks. And so like, you're like a kid in a candy store when you have all this stuff in your garage and you're seven years old. And so my brother and I, we used to go outside and light bottle rockets outside, just really harmless bottle rockets, like the small ones. And so, you know, one day my brother promised me we'd light fireworks that day. He was watching rugby. He passed out, took a nap. It was like 3, 4 p.m. on a, you know, on a Saturday. And so he promised me he'd light some fireworks. He wouldn't get up. So I decided to go to the garage like a you know, mischievous seven-year-old boy not making it mean anything. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to light a bottle rocket. That would just be dumb. You know, I'm just going to light some jumping jacks, you know, stuff that just pops on the ground. It's not going to harm anyone. And, you know, no one's going to know about it. And so I like these jumping jacks and then I'm in the garage and I'm just pop the pop in like green, yellow, blue, red all over the ground. I'm like excited. I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting away with this. This is amazing. This is like Ocean's Eleven. It's like a heist. You know what I mean? And I was just like, mm-hmm. then it was done. The fireworks were done. And then I said, okay, that's great. Nothing happened. And I stepped on each one of the fireworks just to be safe, like a careful little boy, like I was. And so I go back into my house and I'm like skipping back to my seat. And I'm like, so excited. Oh my God, nobody's going to know. And then I was sitting down next to my brother. And then 10 minutes later, the most horrific noises started coming from the fire from the from the uh the garage you know fifty thousand dollars worth of fireworks exploded simultaneously all at the same time because when i closed the door little did i know that oxygen fed fuel to the fireworks yeah. to respark it up and then my mom didn't know this but she had a chainsaw that was on the shelf that had leaky gasoline and so that's what ignited the fire and you know and i opened the door 20 foot flames of fire like it was the craziest thing ever and just fireworks shooting everywhere coming into the house it was the scariest thing in the world and i ran to my brother i'm like jacob 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 the house is on fire you won't believe it and he's like what 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 do you mean i'm waking he's waking up from like a grogginess and i'm like no 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 the house is on fire and i pull him and i take him down the hall he opens the door he burns his hand on the doorknob and then he and then we get blasted back now the flames are shooting into the roof which is like a 40 foot garage like a 30 foot garage so they're shooting far past the roof the roof was collapsing at this point we barely make it out of the house with the with one of those you know uh, phones that you can carry with you that are are still a landline phone if you still if you remember those from the 90s and uh and so my so my brother (laughs) yeah so my brother calls the fire department they show up and they thought i did it on purpose they thought i was like an arsonist kid in the making and all this stuff and they were interviewing me and they were grilling me and i was just sitting there crying into my hands i can remember it like it was yesterday it was 23 years ago and my mom shows up from the liquor store and she's like johnny like how did this like how could you like how could this have happened you know, and she looks at, and I look up at her and I never forget her face. It was like such a disdain. Like she was so, so disappointed. And she was like, you know, we don't have insurance on the house. And I was like seven years old. I didn't even really know what insurance was. Yeah. I was like, what do you, what do you mean mom? And she's like, we're going to be homeless. And when I looked up at her and I, and I saw her face and 
her telling me that we were going to be homeless, I was like, wow, my whole world turned at that moment. And my stomach just flipped upside down. And I was like, wow, I am such a disappointment. I am such a loser. I'm never going to be loved. And so what happened was my, I burned my house down by accident. And the story I created was I wasn't good enough, that I would never be someone who can bring value to the world. I would never be able to help others. I wouldn't be someone who can actually receive love. And so I went through my whole life being that careful little boy, never talking to anybody for years. Like I had a communication block. They thought I was autistic. They misdiagnosed me. They reversed the diagnosis. They decided it was PTSD. And I just became this really, really like pent up angry kid. And I had to use mixed martial arts and wrestling and boxing to really get it out of me. But you know, I went through my whole life having to be better. I went from a CD and E student in eighth grade to being an all straight A student, a three sport athlete. Like I had to be better than everybody at everything. And the reason I did that was because I wanted love all along and I never knew it. I thought that I had to be better at everybody at everything in order to get the love finally, because I wasn't that kid that was good enough or was ever going to achieve anything. And so that pain like fueled this fire in me and my mess and communication ended up becoming my message. So that's why I help salespeople with communication and the people who were able to reframe my psychology were coaches and course creators and people who I consumed transformational courses from and meditation courses and hypnosis courses and healers. Like a lot of amazing female healers worked with me to tap into like what was going on with my identity, how to get created, you know, and I, I rewired my identity to be this loving, courageous, vulnerable, bold leader in the world. And, and when I created that years ago, my whole life changed. And I started stepping into that identity and I started attracting love and the most amazing relationships. And so, you know, I'm a firm believer that your quality of life comes down to the quality of your relationships and the quality of those relationships starts in your communication and the communication that you have with others actually starts with yourself and what you believe about yourself and what you believe about the world, your perception of it all. And so I do this thing with my closers. You alter the perception, you alter the reality. And the first thing they do on their journey, being a part of my agency is altering the way they see the world, the way they see themselves, their identity of it all. And they get to the source of where their identity got created and what's possible for them. If they create a new identity that's capable of more, you know, because you're only as successful as like your identity says you are. You're only as successful as your self image says you are. If you say something about yourself, that's what's going to, that's, what's going to be real about yourself. And so to answer your question, Maria, like that moment, I had no idea that that moment was like what created this person who was this like intense high performer that had, that was just like, but I never realized that being a high performer and being rich in finances didn't mean you were going to be rich in spirit and rich in relationship. And Absolutely. that's what I was lacking. I was lacking spirituality. I was lacking relationship. I had this distance between me and people where I thought that being successful in something would bring me closer to people. And in fact, it pushed me even further apart. And that's why I went to work on myself some more after all of that and realized the more I work on myself, the more I attract whatever I want in my life and my relationships, my finances, et cetera. So. Absolutely. And I, I love your story. I love the vulnerability. You said it was, you know, it was, 
you know, a story that, you know, you probably had to work at being able to tell it, I'm sure, you know, something that, you know, is that emotionally driven. It takes a while. I know, you know, people that listen to my show on a regular basis know a lot of my stories. And some of those took me, you know, almost 40 years <laughs> to be able to talk about, you know, my, my entire life. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think, but I think really what, to kind of go along with what you're saying, to be able to really drive relationships, whether it's a business relationship, personal relationship, whatever, you have to have that layer of vulnerability to really connect because emotions are the driving force of everything. So I really love your story. Um, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That uh, I mean, as a seven-year-old, I mean, my heart was breaking for you. I'm like, oh, because, you know, it's a seven-year-old is a seven-year-old, you know, um, they don't know all the grown-up things and they're all supposed to. So, you know, to have to go through all of that, but to be able to find your voice and find your story, even in the midst of it, honestly, that's kind of literally the basis of the show. It's called Successfully Chaotic for a reason because, you know, life is chaos and we all have our different brands or different flavors of chaos. It all looks a little bit different, but chaos is chaos and it can be very disruptive. It can um, be disruptive in bad ways, but you can also use it as a catalyst to drive success and uh, allow yourself to start to determine what your own version of success is because kind of taking what you said about, you know, the money, the cars, the whatever, I say that all the time too, that, you know, I used to run full force for this idea of success that I had taken from somebody else. It wasn't my idea of success. You know, I was chasing somebody else's idea of success. And when I got there, I was miserable. And I was like, wait a second. I thought this was feel different. I thought this would be different. And it wasn't, you know, so I had to really take a step back and figure out, you know, what is my definition of success? And I think that's something that, you know, everybody kind of comes along to that idea in their own time. Um, It's kind of like a maturity thing. And that doesn't come along with age. It has, and it doesn't even have to do with wisdom. It's just like life experience, right? You kind of come along with that in your own timing. So I I really love that. Um, So you mentioned that you um, work a lot with salespeople and coaches. Um, How did you get into that? Were you in sales or like, how did that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. You're a really good interviewer, by the way. I don't know if you get acknowledged enough or edified oh, enough, you. but you are really you're really good at recreating what people say, and that's really that active listening is is really critical. And I I just don't see a whole lot of interviewers, even the top top podcasts from high profile people. Like I still don't see them recreating people just the way you did. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. Foremost. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to answer your question. Um, you know, my mom had that liquor store growing up and I was five years old. She actually taught me how to read people when people would come in the store. And so when people come in the store and she'd say, Hey, Johnny, watch him. He's really, really kind. His family's amazing, but they're struggling financially. He may steal stuff and we just need to love on him when he comes to the counter. Right. And get him to like take things out of his bag. And so, and so she used to like teach me to see the best in people, even when they were doing the worst things. And and she taught me how to read people behaviorally to see cues, physical cues, nonverbal and verbal cues. And it was pretty, it was awesome. My mom was like one of the best salespeople, you know, that I know in the world. And it's because she understands people and understands them from empathetic. And in fact, I say this all the time, like, and I, and I don't mean this in a way that's like gender specific or anything like that, but I became one of the best salespeople at what I do learning from females like you because of the empathy and the compassion that they naturally have as part of just their feminine energy. And people don't understand this, but energy is not gender specific. You can be a male and have masculine and feminine energy. 
Absolutely. And you can have one that's more dominant than the other. Right. And so, and so my mom had a lot of dominant energy, but she also has, you know, a lot of, you know, she has a lot of masculine, but she also has a lot of feminine. So, so I was selling M&Ms and Reese's peanut butter cups from her store into, and I was selling lotto tickets at her store. And then I would take candy and go sell it at school. You know, we'd sell it for, you know, twice as much as what we would get it for. And then I'd bring it home to my mom. And so my brother and I, we were selling candy at age, you know, six and, and nine at, at school. And so, and so that's when it all started. And then I went from, you know, selling candy to selling, uh, you know, uh, you know, landscaping services at 15, where I would get my buddy to get a truck and we would put a bunch of equipment that we could scrape up from our friends and family and we'd go cut grass on the weekends. And so, um, and then from there I worked at a hotel and I sold, you know, hospitality contracts at like 16 and, and then, you know, and then I sold cell phones at 19 and then, you know, and then I was just like, man, it's so hard to make a hundred grand as a salesperson, you know, like, why is it so hard to make a hundred K? And then I discovered, okay, all along I was selling low ticket, you know, and I, I was doing all these low ticket things. Even when I was selling hospitality contracts, the contracts weren't paid all up front. They were paid quarterly. And a lot of times they were paid, you know, you know, daily or weekly and things like that. So for people coming into the hotel and it's $150 a night is still low ticket, you know, yeah. for a hotel. So that's when I discovered high ticket by accident, right? So I was set to go to Wall Street and work in Wall Street investment banking because I went to a school that was this prestigious university where all the investment bankers and the private equity people would come to go to business school. I went to University of Chicago. I was blessed to say I went there. And, um, and I don't say that to impress people. I say that to impress upon them that what I learned from coaches and courses was actually more valuable than the number one economic school in the world. I mean, my school literally invented economics. I had the honor and privilege to take a class with Robert Fogel, who invented Cliometrics, which is a type of economics that studied the transcontinental railroad system. I mean, this guy was a Nobel prize winner and he had never made money in the real economy. He just, you know, that's when I realized, man, the school system's broken. We're learning the best schools in the world for business and economics. The people who teach the class have never even made money in business. And, and that's when I knew that the system was faulty, the system was broken, and that I could go to the best school in the world because that's what my family wanted as a refugee from Iraq. Please just go to the best school you can possibly go into. And so you can imagine it was such an amazing like, like an amazing event for a kid who's a first generation college kid from refugee family going to a top university, graduating with honors and every freaking possible accolade you can have under the sun. And then boom, can't even land a job that's more than 60 K first year out. And so I said, like, there's gotta be a way where I can make six figures and I can live the lifestyle I want. And I don't know if, I don't think it's investment banking. It seems all too corrupt for me. It seems like it was responsible for 2008's financial crisis. And I'm going to go work with these corrupt people. And this is not what my family had in mind for me coming from Iraq to have me go through school, to fall into the system, to make more corrupt people rich. And so corruption is why my, my culture is where it was at today, you know, with all of the, the, the brinks of extinction. So I just took a, Maria, I just took a one way trip to San Diego because it was the last place I could remember. I visited my, when I visited with my cousin on vacation in the middle of college and I had a great experience. I went skydiving there. I went out with my friends that were actually at my college that lived there as their home base growing up. And so I just fell in love with the city of San Diego. I was like, 
man, I don't care how rich I am. I can live by the ocean and I can walk. And, you know, I, I found homeless people in San Diego were happier than millionaires in Michigan. And yeah. so I was like, wow. Probably because it's like, not they snowy. Can be <laughs> it's because they can sleep outside. It's yeah. sunny. It's sunny 300 days, 300 days yeah. of the year. So to answer your question, long story short, I took a one-way trip to San Diego. I applied to 100 jobs. I went to a top university. I couldn't even find a single job. A single job. You're cutting out a little bit. Give him just a minute. Seems like he's having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty. There you go. Oh, he's he's gone again. So you just got me for a minute. But while we're waiting, I'll say hi to hi to Diana nicely. Um, Seeing Jeff. Jeff says Pittsburgh has sixty sunny days a year. I'm gonna add Johnny back. Johnny, you there? Hey, sorry about that. Oh, you're okay. Yes, you know I what? am. The technology. Hey, sorry about that. I guess. Sorry, sorry. So that's okay. Jeff, Jeff no said uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has uh, 60 sunny days a year. That's what he was saying. <laughs> so come join us. Um, What's yeah. up, Jeff? I, lo- I love Midwesterners. Yeah, John's the- loving the story. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I apologize uh, about that. So no, it's okay. Uh, yes. I love, I love Pennsylvania. I actually almost did a, a internship at PNC in Pittsburgh one year. Uh, so, but again, I got out of banking and I, and I just didn't like it. Cause I was like work a hundred hour work weeks and, and become a corporate, like, you know, slave and work your way yep. up the ladder and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I'm not going to do that. And so I stood my ground. I went to San Diego and I got down to my like last few hundred dollars in my bank account. Cause I couldn't find jobs. I was like looking for jobs for five months. I had $5,000 when I came out to San Diego and I burned through it in four months looking for jobs. Applied to a hundred jobs at 25 interviews. And I'm talking about, I had the bulge bracket banks lining up to work with me, like the best banks in wall street. And I couldn't even get a consulting gig in San Diego. Like it was just impossible. And I was like, now this is another verification that the system's broken, going to a top school, getting top grades, doing everything you need to having, I had you know, millionaires from my alumni association look at my resume and help me with my resume. So like I did everything under the sun you could possibly do to get the right jobs. And I couldn't find anything because San Diego is a military a base city. It's a hospitality. It's like Greece. People come to travel here. If it's hospitality ain't working, the city ain't making money. So besides yeah. military defense and military, the only way to make money here is real estate. And what I found was info. And I was like, what is info? I don't know what info marketing is. And so I took a 100% commission sales job at this company called fortunebuilders.com. And uh, they're a real estate education company. You've probably heard of them. They do five seminars a week for the last 10 years. So I'm sure you've heard of them on the radio. They teach yeah. people how to flip houses. And I sold real estate education for three years. And I became I went from having $150 in my bank account and almost quitting eight times and everyone telling me it was a bullcrap company to work for to end up being the most life-changing experience I've ever experienced where I was reading five books a month. I was drinking kale juices. I was doing, I was surfing at lunch and I was doing personal development challenges. I would go on retreats with these millionaires that built the company that really taught me how to build a championship mindset. It was the most, it was the most altering experiences being around seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs and learning how to build 
businesses in the info space and also real estates. I mean, they were the real deal. They flipped over a hundred houses a year in San Diego at a high level. People were competing against them and flipping houses in San Diego. And, and they were just exceptional at teaching real estate coaching, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, uh, and so I sold real estate coaching for three years and I became the very best at it in the, in the industry. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I became the best at it was learning from, you know, if Lena's watching this, Lena Powers, if she ever sees this on the internet, she was the top salesperson of Tony Robbins company for 15 years. And she taught, she was like one of my mentors and I used to go to her and I really learned how to sell empathetically because of her. And I learned a lot of my compassion because of her, I would study her and I was like, she has results that nobody else has. She can connect with people that nobody else can. I need to learn that. I need to, I need to become that person. And she, she changed my life. She really did. Um, you know, and so Long story short, I fell into it and I fell in love with it. And I saw how coaches and course creators changed my life. I, I spent over 150 grand on coaches and course creators myself for identity work, spirituality, relationships, fitness, body, you name it. I did every pretty, pretty much every high ticket offer possible. And then I left in 2016 for the past five years. I helped 11 different influencers scale out their business to multiple seven and eight figures in their, in their, in their own expert businesses. And I learned I was, I was damn pretty good at this. And so, you know, I, I, uh, the one complaint they had is how do we get more Johnny's? How do we get ethical, em- empathetic closers that can actually yeah. lead with the helping hand are technically trained and know how to move people through the, uh, the buying process. But also when they buy like at the, the, the one thing that people always said when they bought coaching from me until this day, they always said, you know, I'm giving you my credit card number and I don't feel like I'm being sold to whatsoever. And in fact, I feel like I'm really wanting to do this because this is going to change my life. And it has nothing to do with like what you did or said. It's just how you showed up and who you are as a person. And that made me really realize that this is the right fit for me. And so that's how I teach sales. And, you know, and every single complaint I had from all 11 different influencers is how do I keep you here with me only? And I said, well, what you're really asking is how can you replicate me? That's what yeah. you're really asking. Yeah. Cause if you could replicate me, then you wouldn't need me, would you? And you're like, no, I wouldn't. So I've been spending the last two years replicating myself, taking people through my own info product, teaching them sales the right way, which is putting people first and profit second, leading with the helping hand, being someone who's about making a difference with people and actually listens for what people want, what they care about, not what you want to say next, not to drive your agenda, not to push the sale, not to pressure them, but to help them internalize urgency and get them to see what their why is what their passions are, what their deepest desires are and how to actually manifest them in their life through that high ticket program that they're going to do. And so, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell and everything that I'm passionate about. I love that. And I just want to be like, woo, preach every bit of what you said. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly, you know, the way that I look at things. I mean, the sales are great. Obviously we're in business to make money. Um, but I don't like feeling sold to. You don't like feeling sold to. I don't know a person that likes feeling sold to. And this, this idea of this used car salesman and no hate out there to used car salesman, but you know, that yeah, it's got that kind of connotation to it that makes you go, ugh, yeah, it just doesn't feel real good. So, you know, you really do. You have to listen to people. You have to pay attention to what they're saying. Really pay attention to what they're not saying too. You have to be able to kind of anticipate, you know, really what they need. I mean, that's the thing because again, you know, what we all want is the same. No matter, you know, the steps we want together, the, what we want is the same. We want to be happy. We want to, you know, have freedom. We want to be able to do the things that we want to do. So really the nitty gritty of it is just the steps to get there. And how do you, you know, take 
a person from where they're at right now, put them on the path to where they get to what they're wanting at the end. And I mean, I think that's what it is. I love that you, you know, have said all of that about, you know, just really tapping into people's emotions and not, you know, I always tell people stop selling, you know, the way to sell is to stop selling, just stop selling, talk you know, listen, you know, provide, you know, a, an answer to what they're wanting. That's, I mean, that's the key right there. And I love that. Awesome. Amazing. I'm so glad that you, you are, you know, really believing in those ideals and you're expressing that on your podcast and and with your audience. So that shows that you definitely have gone through a lot in your life or you've learned some amazing things and have changed the way you see the world. So I'd love to learn more about that. Definitely yeah, absolutely. Point. Yeah, we'll definitely talk on that more. Now, for anybody that's interested in finding out about, you know, some of the things that you're doing, you mentioned a couple of things that you're, you know, teaching on sales, you know, and from your standpoint on how to sell better, you know, by being an emotional driven, you know, salesperson and really caring about that other person, you know, where where do people find out more about that? Yeah, definitely. So my Instagram is where I post a lot of my sales tips and sales content at the Johnny Anton, T-H-E-J-O-H-N-N-Y-A-N-T-O-N, the Johnny Anton. And um, I also have a YouTube channel where where I talk a lot about about sales tips and growing on that. So I launched on YouTube recently. I have my Instagram is really mainly where I'm at. I also have a free Facebook group and I pretty much give away everything that I've learned to like ethically sell $50 million worth of worth of high ticket products and services across 11 different influencers. So I pretty much coach people's company for free just so yeah. they get huge breakthroughs in their business because you're only as successful as the amount of value that you add to others. If you add value on the internet and you give away all your best stuff for free, people are going to want to work with you. And that's what people say about me is that I add so much value. My free stuff is is better than 95% of paid programs. And, and the reason I have it that way is because one of my clients, you know, he's, he has 9 million downloads on his real estate podcast, his investing podcast. He's the best real estate podcast out there. And I learned from him that he's for two years, he just put out episodes and he gave away his 20,000 copies of his book on real estate investing. And people took down apartments with that book, you know, and so I, I realized, Absolutely. okay, if I really want to help, if I want to help people, I got to give everything away, all my best stuff. So if you hit me up on Instagram, I actually won't be like, just tell me, tell me you came from this show and, um, and to put me in, put, put you in the other inbox and I will personally work with you and help you and coach you for free in your business because my offer is placing ethical closures in businesses and 99% of people who are in business aren't a fit because they're still trying to figure out their marketing and sales process. They're still trying to figure out client attraction and validating their offer. And so I get that. And there's a lot of people who charge five, 10, 15 grand to teach you what I teach you for free. And so if you need help with your coaching business or you're a course creator or you're an info marketer and you want to launch online, I, I'm going to give you all that stuff away for free. Cause I want to, I don't help the beginner. I help the person who's at like seven figures already wants to get to multiple seven and just needs ethical closers. So 99% of people on the internet aren't going to be a good fit for me. And I yeah, know that. Absolutely. And so how I'm, how I'm going to help them is build that, build that relationship long-term. I'm all about relationships long-term. And the reason I had that mindset is because high tickets, a lot of times it's a short-term relationship. It's like, you know, a couple calls and then you're in a high ticket program and it's three months and you get 
get results or you don't get results. For me, you know, my free stuff gets people results long term. I have students that hit me up and I have screenshots. Hey, you coach our team for two months last year on a paid contract and I'm still using your stuff a year and a half later and it's working beautifully. And, you know, and, and my wife also says that, like, she's so impressed with my communication at home. And, you know, and that's the thing is like say, these sales organizations that used to hire me when I used to do the consulting model, like their wives used to always hit me up. What did you do to my husband? And I <laughs> said, hey, them. I didn't do anything to him. He was already beautiful. He just needed to access himself yeah. a little bit more. And he just needed, you know, and so patience so that it changed their life and their relationships. And I, I love helping coaches at course. What's that? I fixed something's wrong. Right. And so how, what I truly believe and what my mentors have taught me is that everybody's perfect and complete the way they are. This coffee cup, it's the way it is. The coffee cup's the coffee cup. It's when we try to turn it into a key and use it for your car. Right. Yeah. It's when we try to change and fix things. There's nothing that needs to be fixing. It is it's the way it is. Is people are like this coffee cup. They are the way they are and they are not the way they are not. And so people have gifts Absolutely. and then they have barriers and everybody has gifts. We also, I have barriers, you have barriers and they're so beautiful and worth it. And why we shouldn't do things alone in life is because our gifts are other people's barriers and vice versa. And so that's where we actually interlock and move the world together is when we come together and we work together. Absolutely. And, you know, we're all so Sorry, layered. I'm I, I, no, I mean, shoot, I get like that all the time. I mean, that's the thing. You know, we're all so layered. I think a lot of times with with business owners or coaches or salespeople, we try to compartmentalize everything so much that it's like, okay, well, my business stuff goes here and, you know, my personal stuff goes here and it doesn't work so well because we're all so layered. So I, you've mentioned a few times about, you know, drinking kale juice and working out and mindset and just these different things. And really what it boils down to is you're, you're really approaching each layer of your full individual self. And when all the layers are whole and healthy, they can communicate with each other. And when they can communicate with each other, you can communicate with other people. And so I really love, you know, that you've kind of brought that up. And I think it's, it's refreshing. You mentioned feminine energy a couple of times. And, you know, I think, you know, for women, it's a lot I guess, easier for us to get by with really tapping into emotions, even in the business world. But I think, you know, up until, you know, more recently, it's been kind of frowned upon a lot of times in the business world for men to do that. It was, um, you know, if you were a, a businessman, you know, you had to be this like strong, determined, you know, I mean, just kind of honestly dead inside individual that really people are just scared of and didn't really want to talk to anyway. <laughs> but that was kind of like the unspoken rule with, you know, Mel's in the business. And I, you know, that barrier has started to be broken down, thankfully. And so I really like that you're speaking, you know, as a man in the business world and talking about these things, because I think it is so important. And, you know, you address those issues, you know, with the communication within your own self, it's going to do nothing but help your business, do nothing but help all your relationships. And you mentioned, you know, wives at home, it does nothing but make wives happy. Wives love communication. I'm a wife. I know how it is. If me and my husband get into a disagreement, it is always because of communication or lack thereof. So, yes. 
<laughs> that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. That's, that's absolutely. Incredible. That's so awesome. Absolutely. So we have a comment from YouTube. Peter was asking what we were talking about. Um, well, Peter, if you're just tuning in, you're more than welcome to kind of go back and, and catch the replay. But we've been talking with Johnny Anton. He has come to share a lot about his experiences just with life, with sales, with business, with coaches and all the things. So it's been a, actually a great conversation. I really encourage you to kind of replay that and check it out. Um, Johnny, I would actually love to have you on. I know it kind of started out a little like bumpy just because of the miscommunication, yeah. you know, with your yeah. PR person, which is fine. You know, life happens, stuff happens. I would love to actually have you on again. We even have a new live um, show that's specifically business now yeah. called Business Acceleration Playbook. And I think that you would be a great fit on that show nice. as well if you're interested in coming back on. No, I'd, I'd love to. And I'll make sure I have my coffee at my desk and I'll have my studio set up. Absolutely. Like I have a really nice studio set up that I was going to be and I'll, I'll, I'll be there early That's all right. next time because this has been a really fun time working with you and, and chatting with you. I think you're really good at this uh, and I'd love to Absolutely. be on and, and add any value to your community. So. That would be great. So um, I'll hit you up and we'll chat after we end this broadcast and um, we'll go from there. But I've really enjoyed having you on. And if you want to check out some stuff that Johnny has going on, he said he's most active on Instagram, the Johnny Anton. So go ahead and check that out. And we will be live next week uh, for Business Acceleration Playbook Um 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've got some other shows going on. If you have not um, seen the video yet, Successfully Chaotic, the podcast turned one year old um, Monday, which was February 15th. So we are actually going to be taking all of the comments from any of the live shows, um, whether you put it on there live or whether you watch the replay and put it on there. We're going to be taking all the names on Friday, putting them into a drawing. We have gift cards. We have podcast microphones. We have all the things to celebrate the one-year um, birthday of the podcast. So um, until next time, Maria Daniels, successfully chaotic behind the scenes, and our guest, Donnie Anton. And thanks, everybody. I know you want it better. Putting on the pressure